fast. The Easy Living Furniture Roadshow Sale has been extended for a limited time and must end this bank holiday Monday. Don't miss out as absolutely everything is reduced across all sofas, dining, bedroom and mattresses. And with interest-free finance available, this is one event you don't want to miss. Roadshow Sale ends bank holiday Monday. Don't miss out. Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie. This is an Irish independent podcast. Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry. Folks, how do we feel about plant-based diets? What about the benefits of bringing nature into our everyday lives, be it indoor or outdoor? And can plants not just improve a person's life, but actually save it? My guest this week has literally written a book all about this idea. Professor Ross Cameron is the man behind How Plants Can Save Your Life, 50 Inspirational Ideas for Planting and Growing. Professor Cameron, welcome to the show. How's it going? Ah, good morning, yeah. Great, great the same. Thank you. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I've recently got into gardening and planting in quite a big way. Uh, I, and I, I find it very therapeutic. I find it very enjoyable. But, you know, how plants can save your life is a big statement, is it not, to uh, to begin with? It is indeed. It is indeed. It's claiming a lot. Of course, in some ways, it's common sense because plants produced all the oxygen on the planet and we require oxygen. So we're, we're dead without them. And in basic terms, but they, they provide lots of other benefits to us. So um, I'm quite happy with the title. As, as a scientist, I can defend it, but it's um, but it's more subtle uh, ways of improving our health and well-being in general. I think that's uh, the interesting component. Is it something that we just maybe, you know, we're guilty of taking for granted is nature of what's around us in terms of plants and trees, and we don't really kind of uh, take heed with just how important plants are? Yeah, I think I think it's like everything else in life. The, the great things are actually really quite common sense, and we we don't always appreciate them. Um, I mean, I think the the big issue I've had over the last couple of years is how sort of disengaged with nature we are, and it needs some of that pandemic to kind of raise the issues again. Um, I mean, we are part of nature; we're not separate from it, and I sometimes think we we sometimes think we're we're some sort of superior element of it. Um, so yeah, you know, the, the book actually says, you know, that actually only 43% of our cells are human. The rest are all some form of other uh, passenger on us. Uh, so that that's a good illustration of how dependent we are on the natural world. We're, we're in a relationship with it all the time. And in the pandemic, you mentioned it there, there, did that bring us back to nature in terms of, you know, even my own my own level? I remember when the, the initial two kilometer rate, you know, the, or the stay in your at home uh, advice was given. You began to notice things more, like the birds that were around your garden, uh, the growth of the plants, the flowering of the plants, the seasons became a little bit more, uh, you're more in tune with it because life slowed down. You were forced to stay at home and all of a sudden nature kind of came back into our lives a little bit. Yeah, and it was also the life belt, wasn't it? I mean, it was that hour or two hours you could get out for a walk in the park or do a bit of gardening that actually became the highlight of the day. Um, so yeah, it's that slowing of pace, taking taking time to notice the, the small things, but the, the important things in life, and nature being a very important component of that. Um, so I think we appreciated that green space and that that access when it was limited. Um, you know, when you couldn't go out for the whole day, that that hour became precious. And how did you get into plants and to become a professor? Uh, tell us about your own background and how you got into it. Well, it's a bit bizarre because I'm actually, my, my specialism is plant stress physiology. I understand how plants get stressed, not necessarily how people get stressed. Um, 
So my, my background really was how plants uh, interacted with the environment, how they saw the environment and how they, they grew or didn't grow in certain situations. So my own PhD was on cold tolerance in, in plants, ornamental plants that were dendrons. And that grew into understanding more about not how the environment affected plants, but how plants affected the environment and affected our environment, particularly so the whole urban green space and our, our evaluation of landscapes and ornamental plants um, grew, grew more and more of my interest. And from all the research and all the time you put into it, what what are your biggest, uh, I suppose, takeaways from the research that you've done? Well, I, th- I think the I think the takeaway is that plants provide many benefits and it isn't the same mechanism every time necessarily. And it isn't just the plants, it's the, it's the microbes that live on them, it's the microbes in the soil, it's the other animals that we were dependent on. But it's that sort of whole holistic approach um, which hasn't always been popular in reductive science, but I think the benefits of the of the natural world are, are working at multiple levels and at different frequencies, as it were. And it's that sort of holistic approach that I think we need to embrace. Um, so the book, for example, highlights four or five different sort of key reasons why the natural world seems to help our health. And, you know, plants, they they, you know, they look nice. People like the look of them. But do you think people are maybe scared a little bit if they've never held a plant before or grown a plant before? There's a, a fear attached to that. They don't know what to do. Yeah, I don't think they're necessarily scared of plants, but I think they're scared of what they do with plants. So that's a kind of peer pressure of, of making your garden look nice. And if you don't really know what you're doing, then it can be a little bit daunting. Um, and there has been some research that people often buy plants, but then don't necessarily plant them. They keep them in the pot just because they don't know what to do. And I think that's a key element as well of, of this health benefit. It, you know, gardening and plants is fun. We shouldn't be too purist about it. Um, it's all trial and error and you shouldn't get upset about the errors. It's just about the fact that it is a, a sort of pathway of exploration and there's a relationship between us and the plants and the wider wildlife. Uh, so certainly you shouldn't take it too seriously and it should be a, you know, a, a source of enjoyment. And again, some of our research suggests, you know, people do it for enjoyment. They're not doing it for their health. They're doing it because it's fun. And I think that's the key thing. Really. And of course, it's a very mindful experience, too, isn't it? Like literally getting your hands dirty, cutting stuff, chopping stuff, planting stuff, mowing stuff. Like it's a very, uh, it's, there's a sense of escapism about it that you really pulled you away from your phone, from life, from the stresses of life. And does the science back that up from what you were seeing in terms of when people are doing gardening? Do we see these scientific responses to the to the work or to the you know from dealing with plants and trees? Yeah, I think that that hands-on element you mentioned is really important. It's it's the fact that it is a distraction from the everyday uh, stresses and strains of life. And again, one of the theories kind of suggests that it. Nature provides us with a thing what's called soft fascination. So you can imagine, you know, a hard day at the office. You've been on the computer all day. There's been a few heated discussions. You're a bit wound up. You're almost like a spring wound up. And I think nature unwinds us. It's that, it's that distraction away from the everyday stress that, that you look at something, you notice it, and you actually start to wonder about it. So whether it's, you know, the flight of a butterfly or the, the wind in the trees or whatever, and it's these small, soft, little attention-grabbing moments that seem to unwind that spring and make us feel more relaxed. And we can see things like blood pressure and, and stress levels going down literally within two or three minutes of being in a green space. And is that suggesting then that we should, you know, in our work environments, uh, in other environments, I was thinking on the way up traveling on the train today, of when Volkswagen launched the new Beetle when it came out about, it might be 10 or 15 years ago, they had a small little flower holder built into the dashboard. 
And you'd be driving along and you'd see someone who had a new Beetle and they'd have a little flower in the car with them and they'd always be quite happy about it. You know, so should we be surrounding ourselves with plants in common spaces like work, maybe like the car or and obviously at home as well? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think that they just bring life into into these inanimate uh, environments we spend so much time in. I mean, and we've always assumed that it was kind of psychological, you know, the colour of a flower or the or the, the scent of maybe of, of a plant sort of giving us a relaxing mood. But the latest research suggests it may also be biochemical, that the plants are actually giving off chemicals that make us relax, that, that reduce our adrenaline levels. So it hasn't always, I think that the idea of it just being what the eye sees is, or the, the, the nose smells is being challenged and that actually some of these relationships are, are actually physical biochemical relationships between us and other elements in the natural world. Okay, so they're almost like free forms of relaxation in your, in the space that you're living in. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, sort of more progressive uh, companies have, have actually invested a lot of money in interior design, which has lots of indoor indoor plants because they realise that actually it's quite a relaxing, noise reducing environment. Um, so it creates that idea of just being a little bit more relaxed. And you brought up noise reduction there. Can plants actually do that? And if so, we need to get them into our podcast studio here to add to the noise reduction. It, it, that is one of the things they can do, though, isn't it? Yeah, they baffle noise, they diffract it and deflect it. So again, you'll, you'll notice, you know, some of the major roads in Ireland, I guess, motorways, etc. They are they are screened off with ivies and other trees. And that's just so the, the housing nearby gets that baffling effect, muffling effect. Um, so something like, you know, a 20 metre wide strip of trees will, will help diffuse the noise. And it's also psychological. If you see the greenery, you actually think it's more quiet, even though it isn't necessarily as quiet as, you, as the brain sort of the ear is hearing. So there's, a, there's both a physical auditory effect, but also a psychological one. So not only do they reduce noise, they also help obviously improve air quality, which is important too. But there is some science to back up. They improve your, your, your creativity and your cognitive ability as well. Yeah, um, so I think I think plants work in two different ways. There's there's the ones that kind of relax you, and there's the ones that can provide what we call positive effect. Um, so sort of the brighter colours, um, the more animation you might get in the natural world provide small moments of joy, and they act as a kind of um, buffer against longer term mental problems. Um, so so yes, they are working in different ways in different situations, um, but they are. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're re-emphasizing that idea that we're actually quite reliant on the natural world and the environment that the natural world provides for a whole lots of different emotional responses. Okay, so hopefully people are listening in thinking, okay, I need to get some more plants into my into my life in some way, shape or form. Uh, it is important to state that it doesn't have to be in a garden. It's literally just surrounding yourself, either in your, in your apartment, in your workplace with plants. What are the best plants for people to start with? Or are there any? Or is it literally just anything that's flat, you know, anything that's green and, and, and that grows? No, some are more difficult than, than others. But I mean, you're, you're sort of wandering sailors, spider plants, those sort of things that are, are um, usually the first ones you see in, you know, people when they buy a new house, the bathroom will have one. Um, so those are the quite easy ones. So the, you, know, you can propagate them. Anything that which gets you engaged. So the, the book actually talks about taking a lemon seed or an orange seed from, you know, a pip from a, from a fruit and actually growing it. And that's sort of just observation of, of seeing your own your own plant grow from a tiny little pip. Um, so I think it's all about that that fascination again. And you know, as you get more and more experienced, then you'll try some of the more difficult plants. Um, and they and that's just attention to detail. Actually, all plants are quite easy 
if you kind of follow the instructions, give them what's absolutely required. <laughs> and, of, and of course, people, myself included, people don't, right? They buy them and I, they all come with that little tag on them, which says where it should be and what you should do. And then, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah you tend, you, sometimes you don't read it and then you regret not reading it. Uh, yeah, I mean, orchids are notoriously difficult, but actually all you need to do is put them in a slightly shady position, not in direct sun, and remember to water them maybe once a month. And they're actually relatively easy, most orchids. So it's, it's just kind of perceptions and just following some of the tips that the the label gives you and of course from a physical perspective it's a great workout we've talked about the mental you know benefits the communication benefits the sleep benefits but actually the the physical benefits are fantastic it's and like we moved from uh, the city down to the the countryside we have uh, a bit more uh, land and for the first three months i noticed like my muscles in my forearms my hands being sore from lifting, pulling, moving, cutting, all the all the workouts that kind of gardens can give you. It's a fantastic physical workout. Yeah, it's it's kind of un unconscious workout. You you where you, you know, if you run a marathon, you know you've run a marathon, you're knackered at the end of it. Um two days gardening, you don't realize you've you've burnt, you know, lots of calories and you've done lots of physical muscular exercise, but you don't feel it in the same way where you, you might get a pinch in the back. But you you don't do it because you're because you're absorbed by the activity. So it's the fact that you're interested in what you're doing makes it much less of a slog. So we, we are talking to GPs and other people about trying to use gardening more effectively as an ability to just keep yourself mobile and keep exercise going. So it's, it's not exertive energy or activity, but it is consistent and, and it gets quite addictive. In fact, we probably need to encourage people to not do two days gardening without a bit of a break, you know, so it's, it's, it's getting the balance right. Um, but it's certainly when you get the bug, it's really difficult to stop doing it. And gardening can become almost a form of companionship. And we talk about that sense of belonging and that sense of being, uh, you know, associated with a group of people or an area. And your garden can almost give you that, that form of friendship for one. Friendship's probably a little bit strong, but it can almost form those kind of associations, which from a, fi- a mental health perspective and a social health perspective can be very, be- be- very beneficial too. Yeah. I mean, in, in horticultural therapy, which is a form of occupational therapy, gardens are seen as really useful because it's a non-confrontational environment. So you're not stuck having to make a conversation. You can actually sort of move in and move out to, to people who are in the garden. And I think that also works at a, a more domestic level. That it's a good way to chat to the neighbours. It's you know, a bit like the British and their weather. Um, you know, Irish and the, and the gardens, or Irish and the weather, it's, it's that icebreaker. So I think chatting to your neighbour about the plants and what they're doing and that slightly informal stuff, it's, it's really relaxed way just to, to, to be sociable. Just don't chop down their favourite tree uh, before you ask them. It's qu- quite important. Uh, yeah, or, or shade them out. No, that wouldn't do. Let's chat about plant-based diets then. So again, they're, they're quite trendy, actually. They're quite cool. Um, in terms of starting to eat more plants and get more plants into your diet, talk to me about that for people. Yeah, well, some plants are better than, than others. Um and just like any food, a balanced diet is, is key here. But there are these so-called superfoods of which things like cabbages and red berries are, are good components. Um, and, and the key thing here is that these are providing, I mentioned earlier on sort of the biochemical relationships, these are providing basically protection to our, to our cells um, by mopping up what they call free radicals. So things like anthocyanins and red berries get into your system and they take out these nasty, rather uh, wayward ions. Um, so at a biochemical level, these f- uh, foods are helping our cell cell ma- maintain its um, functionality, really. And 
Are there any plants that you shouldn't eat? So in the press here, we've had uh, there's been lots of coverage around mushrooms and a, and, a, and a mushroom party that lots of people got very very sick from. Presumably, there are certain things you shouldn't eat. Oh yeah, not all, not all plants are, are good for you. Some will quite happily kill you within a matter of seconds, uh, and that's based on the toxins they're in. And and there are some really interesting stories. I think the book talks about potatoes, tomatoes. Yes, you eat the fruit of the tomato, and yes, you eat the tuber of the potato, but you wouldn't eat any other part of the plant because they're full of alkaloids that are quite toxic. Um, so you have to be careful. You have to know what you're doing. Um, but obviously, plants have been throughout our evolution. The majority of our diet, you know, meat was a fairly rare luxury. So roots and berries and, and leaves, to some extent, are are the natural um, processes, and and that helps your dietary processes provide roughage and things. But most things you're going to buy from the supermarket or you're going to grow from from plants from your garden centre, whatever, you know, they, you, you know the right bits to eat and you know the bits to avoid. And of course, there are very, uh, some very simple things to grow, the likes of uh, like mint and, and uh, scallions and stuff like that. They're very, we have mints in our old, our old house. It just grew everywhere. It just took over everything. It's kind of what they do. But there is something lovely about when you go out and it, it has grown. You chop it, you use it. Like, there's a lovely kind of association for that. And that's a very beneficial thing for families to get into in terms of family health, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, my, my wife's addicted to mint tea. So anywhere she's going, she's looking for a bit of mint to stick in a bit of hot water. Um, I think, yeah, that family that family thing, particularly for children, introducing children to a healthy diet through growing things like, well, even things like sunflower seeds or nasturtiums, which you can, you can eat the leaves off, and then getting them into things like strawberries and lettuce and tomatoes. You know, it's a, it's a bit of a conflict for the children, but these things are colourful and they're attractive and they get them outdoors and they're actually healthy to eat. So so there's a win-win in some ways if you can get your kids growing and looking at nature and then, then eating the produce that they're producing. So the key thing from today's chat that I really wanted to get to our listeners is the fact that, you know, you hear all the time that, you know, plants are, are, are good to have around us, that idea of a blue zoning and green spacing where you're surrounding yourself with nature and stuff like that. But by bringing a professor like yourself on, we can now tell them this is scientific. It's been scientifically proven and backed up. And, you know, we've mentioned a lot of the benefits, but I think it would be nice to review them just at the end of the interview of the kind of scientific, scientific benefits from the plants. Just to review some of the stuff that we've talked about. So sleep obviously is one of them. Yeah. So uh, outdoor activity, um, but also um, the, the ability to, to block off noise. All these things are important for sleep patterns. Poor sleep is related to cardiovascular ill health, mental ill health. So, so being outdoors, getting the so-called fresh air, and, and we used to call it just fresh air, but we now think there might actually be biochemical components in that area, in that air from nature that actually help us relax. So being outdoors, being active, uh, and in an urban situation, that often means your park or your garden, really important to to, to wind down and, and get rid of the stresses and strains of the day and then get a good night's sleep. And of course, by reducing stress, we're seeing reduced impact of depression, anxiety, all of those mood-related issues just by having those plans around us. And then the surprising one for people listening in, in businesses is that kind of self-esteem boost and the the creativity and production boost from just being surrounded by these things in the office. So between now and our next uh, batch recording, I promise you we're going to have some plants and some green space in here. We absolutely need it. We're all motivated. Remind me of the name of the book again. It's called How Plants Can Save Your Life. Inspirational Ideas for Planting and Growing. 
Professor Ross Cameron, it's been great to catch up. Uh, I'm motivated to turn here into a, a rainforest of, uh, of plants over the course of the next little while. So watch this space. It's been great to talk to you and thank you so much for coming on and the very best of luck with the book. Folks, that is it for another episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Go buy some plants, get them around you and you're going to feel a whole lot better. You know where we are, at Carl Henry PT on Instagram, realhealth at independent.ie and we will see you next week for a greener Real Health. Slong Gafoe.